You are listening to a podcast from Camden Nazarene. Camden Nazarene is a Christ-centered and community-focused church located in Camden, South Carolina. We gather for worship each Sunday at 9.30 a.m., and you're invited to be our guest this Sunday. You know, we're starting to see we're starting to see the the stadiums fill back up, and and so so maybe you have been to a concert, maybe you have been to some sort of musical show, but do you ever go for the opening act? Is, is anyone just anyone ever go for the opening act? Usually you go for the headline act. Usually, usually you go. Uh, you know, I, I remember um, this is kind of show showing my age, uh, but like I remember when um, Kenny Chesney was so new that he was opening for. Like Rascal Flats, you know. Of course, now he's you know he has his own thing. That's just kind of how that's that's kind of how old I am. I re- I remember when guys like Jason Aldean was uh, on the country music was was opening uh, for for folks. Of course, now they got their own thing. And so, cause and I ask you that because of this, because you're you're sitting there thinking, so this Sunday is joy, and it's Christmas, and we're getting close to Christmas, and he's reading about John the Baptist again, and John the Baptist is very rude. He's very crude. He's not very joyful. So what is this all about? John is the opening act, folks. John is the, John is the, is the one who is preparing us for what is to come. So this whole season is about preparation. This whole, this whole season is about expecting what the Lord wants to do in our lives, expecting how our lives are changed because the gift of, of God's Son, Jesus, to the world. And there's not, there's not, there's not one person that can pre- prepare us more for Christ than John the Baptist. John has the message of preparation. That was John's, his entire calling. His entire calling was all about preparing the way of the Lord. The prophet Isaiah spoke about one who was going to come and who was going to prepare. And this is what, this is what John the Baptist was all about. I kind of like this. I'm going to get a little Pentecostal holding this handheld mic. Um, we'll see, we'll see how that goes. You guys ever notice that? So different traditions have different type of mic styles. So if you go to a Pentecostal church, they always have a handheld mic. Um, that's just kind of how they roll. Personally, I like having both hands, but it's all right. We'll get through this. But John is this one who prepares. And, and, and if, you, if, if you're looking for the Christmas story, trust me, we're going to get there. We're going to break into it next Sunday. Uh, we're going to break into it. As, as we gather for the 23rd for the, uh, the Christmas bonfire on Wednesdays, uh, pastors Amanda and Brandon have been leading us through some uh, kind of some, some first-person narratives of letting us see, you know, what uh, the birth through the eyes of those who would have been there. So we're certainly telling the Christmas story around here, but we're also making sure that we are prepared. Our hearts are prepared. And this is, this is what John does for us. And so on this Sunday when we're talking about joy, I'm convinced that for John, for John the Baptist, this is the first thing I want you to see, for John the Baptist, finding joy begins with repentance. Finding joy begins with repentance. Look at verse 8. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, John says. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. You know, this, this word repentance, we often think of, when we think about the word repentance, we just think about the word, well, I'm sorry. How many times do we, do we hear that? Especially those of us who are, who are parents and, 
and, and you have maybe young kids or you have young nieces and nephews that are around, you, you hear that a lot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And as a parent, you get to the point where you're trying to teach them, hey, listen, you were sorry like 10 times over the same thing. Okay, so at some point, we got to move beyond just saying you're sorry to some sort of modification and understanding that that's not how we do things. And so from, from John's perspective, when we talk about repentance, when John is calling them to repentance, it is this Greek word of metanoia, meaning, meaning more, and it means more than just saying you're sorry. It is, it is about seeing things in a new way. It's a complete reorientation and transforming one's life. So when we say that we repent, when we're called to a place of repentance, the Scripture is calling us to a place to reorient our lives, to reorient how we see the world, to, to be transformed by His Holy Spirit. So John is out the gate. He's criticizing them about the way that they have depended upon their heritage. He says, hey, says, hey don't, don't say that you are sons of Abraham. When I call you to repent, you cannot lean on, oh, well, we have Abraham. John is calling them to the new kingdom, the kingdom that Jesus is going to be ushering in. John is preparing them for this to let them, let them know that repentance is not about clinging to something old. It's not about clinging to tradition, but it's this whole new way of thinking. It's this whole this whole reorientation around the Scripture. The call to repentance also points to the, the new family being created through Jesus, and that's what we call the church. One that is not based on heritage or gender or race or background, but rather on repentance and a life lived following after Him. This is, this is the church this is the family that is, is created through the waters of baptism, not through the ways of the old covenant. Folks, this is the beauty of church. The ground is all level at the foot of the cross. We are all called to repentance, no matter who our parent was or who our grandmother was, or no matter how, how Nazarene we may be or may not be, the call to repentance is the same for all of us, and we are all called. We are all called to, to find this new life in the Lord. And I'm convinced that when we, when we confess, when we, when we come to the Lord, when we repent, when we, we reorient our ways, we begin to find true joy. We begin to find what joy is all about when we seek the will and the way of the Lord. I'm convinced that we will find joy in finding and doing the mission of God. And so this is the next thing I want you to see, is that the mission of God will shift our focus from ourselves to others. So if John is calling us to a repentance, if John is calling us to reorient our lives, if John is calling us to do an about face, to pick up a whole new way of life, this new way of life is about focusing on others. It's about focusing on the community around us. Look at verse 11. John answered, Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. 
So John's called this group a brood of vipers. He says you can't hang on to what you've already known, to what you've always known. And so they say, okay, John, then what would you have us to do? And so we see that answer there in verse 11. What we, what we understand is generosity is a key component to this new life of following Christ. We serve a God who has been generous with us. We're in this very season, church, in which we celebrate the gift of God. We celebrate God coming to us. We see the generosity of God in this very season that we're celebrating. And so if we're called to be like Him, then we have to believe, we have to understand that generosity is a key component to looking like Jesus. So repentance is going to lead us to reorientation. It's going to lead us to to being refocused. You see, the, the people in the Scripture here, they were initially, they were asking John how to avoid how to avoid, uh, avoid judgment. And then he quickly turns it towards the needs of others. Do you see that? They quickly come and say, well, what do you want us to do? Uh, you know, we, we don't want to be a brood of vipers. How, how, do, how are we going to miss judgment, John? And, and so they're concerned about themselves, but then John quickly turns it around and says, hey, listen, you don't want to be a brood of vipers? You want to escape judgment? Then reorient your life. Reorient how you see the world. And that includes a life of generosity. Even in this big group that John is speaking to, and we talked about this some last week, but but really want to drill in here. Look at verses 12 through 14. Look who who all was in this group. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? In verse 13, don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. And then in verse 14, says, Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, do not, Don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Turn to your neighbor and say, We need to learn how to be content. We need to learn how to be content. I know you don't want, I know you don't want to. church I, th- I think what we're seeing here is is we're, we're seeing the we're seeing the reminder that that greed has no place in the life that follows Christ and we're also called to we're called to find contentment in what we have now I'm gonna be honest with you I've never not that I'm never honest with you so I should say I'm gonna be real with you in that I've never preached a kind of a money or a tithing or a gener- generosity sermon in the middle of Advent. But this is just where the Scripture led us today. And if we got issues with that, then we'll just, well, we'll take it up with the book here and, uh, and let, let the book help us figure it out. But what else do you want me to do with this text? When people say, how do we, how do we avoid judgment? How do we not be brood of vipers? What do you want us to do? And John turns around and says, Hey, you got two shirts, give one away. Do the same thing with food. Don't extort money. Be content. Don't be greedy. This is what we have here in this text. And I can't think of a, of a better season, church, to be reminded of this truth in the season that we are in right now. Because on this Sunday, 
in which we are talking about joy, maybe we should stop and figure out what true joy then is all about. Because joy for the world is, is, is so many things. Joy for the world is, is based on your circumstance. And church, if you're always relying on your present circumstance to control your feelings, your emotions, and kind of the direction of your life, man, you're in for a whirlwind of a ride. I'm convinced of this. The recipe to joy is being generous, not being greedy, and resting in contentment. Now, I know that's hard. Everything about that statement is a little is, is a little bit of a challenge, a little bit a little bit of a struggle for us. But when we're generous, it leads to being joy. When we're when we when we when we exclude greed out of our life, when we pray, say, Lord, don't help me not to be greedy. When we rest in where we are, when we rest in what we have, when we rest in the blessings that the Lord has bestowed upon us, and we find contentment there, there we will then begin to find joy. You see, for John, the, the expectation is that a life that is transformed, a life that bears good fruit, is one of contentment. It's one of generosity. It's one of kindness. It's one of compassion. It's one of justice. You can look at studies on happiness, and one of the common themes for people is the idea of contentment and generosity. So this isn't just confined to what John the Baptist said, but we can also see it in, in the lives of people today. You, you, can, you can go to various psychological studies, and then when they study the, the people who, find, who are joyful, you'll find people who are content. You find people who find contentment in where they are in life. Now that isn't to say that we should always be striving. We should always be wanting to... to to, to exceed and to do better and to work hard. So I'm not trying to tell you don't be motivated to those things. But be content and be a good steward with what you have and watch God bless as you move forward. I mean, honestly, folks, that's, that's kind of HR 101, even in the job, in, in, in the job market. Be that employee who, who handles what they have very well and everyone around you will notice that you handle what you have very well. So this is someone that we can give more to. This is someone that we can give more responsibility to. This is someone that we can give more leadership to. And you may say, well, I don't want that. Well, I mean, life's, just not, life's not always fair sometimes. But, but that is... If, if you want to exceed, if, if, you want, if you want to see blessing in your life, care for what you have. And this is the truth. And even with, with matters of, of money, you, you think, you say, Lord, I want you to bless me. Lord, you know, I, we struggle in this area. Lord, you know that we come up short. The Lord's saying, handle what you have. Be a good steward of what you have. Be content in what you have. Find joy. Find blessing in what you have, the Lord says. And then watch the Lord. Continue to bless. 
this language of, of bearing fruit here, it's, it's echoed by the Apostle Paul in Galatians 5. So John calls us to, to, to bear fruit that, that shows our repentance. And, and if, we could, if we could use the, the imagery of the Apostle Paul, if we could bring in the Apostle Paul, then I would say that what that looks like, this fruit of repentance is what's found in Galatians 5. This fruit of, of love and joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. This is what it is. This is what a repentant life looks like. Lives that are transformed by the Spirit bear the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. Look at verse 18, he says. And with the other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. We are to be generous because other people need to experience the good news. We're not called to be generous because we're trying to get some sort of blessing that's only for us. The call to be generous, the, the call to, to bear fruit, is, is it, it's all centered around other people experiencing the good news. John was, was pointing them to the Messiah. John was preparing the way. John was doing the tough work. John was saying some harsh things. John was, was really, he was keeping it real with the folks all in order to prepare the way of the new kingdom, the kingdom that Jesus was breaking in with. The ultimate good news was the coming of Christ. Christ would bring about a new order of things. He would show them how to be generous. He would show them what it is to be compassionate. He would show them what it is to be content. He would show them what it looked like to, to give up their desires, to give up their greed. So John was preparing the way for them today. So what does this, what does this mean for us today? So if I could ask this question, what does it look like for us to find true joy in our world today? What does it look like for Camden Nazarene to, to experience True joy. How can we reorient our priorities so that they reflect the priority of the kingdom? What are we, what are we doing to be a part of, of introducing others to the kingdom? And so let's, let's talk about tangible ways for us to, to bear the joy of the good news to the world around us. And so the first thing I want to, I want to challenge you to is to continue to be, to be faithful and generous to your church. About two, two, three years ago, we had a the giving wall that was in the back. It had envelopes that were numbered one to one, one to one ninety nine, and it was a way for us to it was a way for us to to get ahead uh, on 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 the debt that we we took on in order to to give the the church a a, a much needed facelift and. And, and you helped us take a big chunk out of that. We're down to oh, and right around eleven thousand and some change left on that. But we still need help on that. 
Because not only do we need to retire that debt, but we also need to make plans for other projects, other, other improvements to the facility that is key to us doing the work of the gospel in this community. And so you'll see as you leave here on the right, the giving wall is back. And so I'm challenging you to, to pray over the next few months. This is, I'm not putting a big timeline on this, but over the next few months, hopefully between now and maybe March, we've had all those envelopes gone. And I would challenge you to each week, pray about how the Lord would want you to give extra towards that. Because the next big project is our community life center. Family life center, gym, whatever you want to call it. I, 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 per, I like calling it the community life center because this is, what it, this is what it says to our community. This is a place for you. And, and I hope that as we, as we make the improvements to our community life center, they are made with a focus on those who are outside these walls. They are, they are made with a focus that we realize that out of, in this part of town, this is one of the only few venues of its size that would be a blessing to a lot of groups and a lot of people. And it has been a blessing to a lot of groups and to a lot of people. And, and, and when we're talking about it with the board, you know, what we don't want to do is just fix something up and not have a why. Just to fix something up just for the sake of, well, look at us. We fixed this up. It was great. It was falling apart. And now we fix it up. But what is the why? And we're going to be exploring that. And we'll be sharing that with you. But it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that the why probably revolves around serving the needs of the community. And so we need your help on the envelope wall because we got to move on. And if you, don't, if you want to know why we have to move on and take that on first, then go walk back there. And if you don't slip on a, on a tile that's coming up off the ground... then maybe you won't see it, but I guarantee you you'll realize, what's wrong with this floor? Why, is it echo, why does it echo so bad in here when we're in here? <laughs> so these are all things that we want to do. If, if you've been to our, our, our last community event, we, we're, we're beginning to transform the, the space that's right outside of this window into a courtyard. We're beginning to improve the, the outdoor gathering spaces for our, for our church. So that our church is a place for the community not just to gather inside, but a place for it to gather outside as well. For us to invite people in to have these events so that we can, we can introduce them to who we are and ultimately introduce them to our friend named Jesus. Our friend named Jesus who can bring joy, who can transform lives. And so that's out there. And then I also want to tell you about something else. You're like, wow, Pastor, you're really ambitious. It's Christmas. Uh, you haven't seen my Amazon bill yet, and you're trying to. I'm convinced that a healthy church, that a church that God wants to bless, is a church that spends, if not equal, maybe even more money on things outside of the church than on the inside of the church. I, I, I'm convinced of that, that God will bless a church whose budget revolves around what's going on on the outside just as much on the inside. And so uh, we've also set up a, a giving tree out there, and there's four, there's four opportunities for you to, to give towards outside 
and into our community. They're little paper ornaments, if you will. They're hanging on there. And we'll add more to them. I, I ran out of the little ornament hooks, but there, there's, there's plenty more coming, so don't, don't be worried if you get to the tree and there's nothing there. I, again, this isn't something I'm trying to get you to make a decision on today, but over the next few weeks, as we move into Christmas, as we move beyond Christmas, as we, as we reorient our lives for 2022, these are some things that I would love for us to participate in and to focus on. One is, one is being the food for the soul, our, our local shelter here in Kershaw County that provides a hot meal every day of the week for those who need it, who provides shelter for those who don't have any other place to go. So there's an opportunity for you to give towards, towards that. And you'll just take the ornament off and you can put your donation, put it into the offering plate along with that, and then we'll, we're going to make sure. My dream is to, in a few weeks, kind of write one check to all of these organizations saying, hey, we wanted to invest in you. And so Food for the Soul is one of them. Another one is the United Way's Mobile Nutrition Center. That's more than just a food bank. It's, it's, it's more than just giving unhealthy food to people and just saying, hey, here's some, here's some canned goods that we didn't want. This is, an, this is an effort to actually make sure that people have fresh vegetables and fresh food that actually can help kind of transform their lives and help transform their health. And so there's opportunity for you to give towards the Mobile Nutrition Center. There's opportunity for you to give towards Reconciliation Ministries. Reconciliation Ministries is a beautiful ministry that we partner with in Columbia. And it's, it's full of, of people who just needed, they just needed a second shot. They just needed someone to, to, to lead them through a, a life of reconciliation. <laughs> a lot of them ha- have a life of drug use and a, and, a, and, a, and a life of just making some poor choices. But because of reconciliation, they found a place to live. They found a place to work. They have understood what it, what it means to, uh, to have their identity in Christ. Did you know over in the, in the past year, Reconciliation Ministry, 45 individuals have found Christ through Reconciliation Ministries. We partner with them on a weekly basis. These are the people that clean this church every week to ensure that it is ready to go each and every week for ministry. They come over, and they do a fabulous job. When the guys, when the men come over, if I, if I have a list of small projects, they'll come and they'll, they'll knock out small handyman-type projects for us. This is a great partnership. And so you have an opportunity to partner with them as well. And the last one is Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, and this is child sponsorship. And this is probably the, the bigger ticket item. But for, but for about $360 a year, you can, you can sponsor a child at a Nazarene Child Development Center in Jordan and uh, other countries have left me. But we have three or four countries that we have Nazarene Child Development Centers a lot of these places are, are ministering to refugees. And so you have an opportunity to, to, to make sure that the, a, a children in those places have food, have clothing, have supplies for schools. This is where they go to school. This is where they live. And they have an opportunity for you to correspond with them. Our family, we, we got our card from our child this week. And, and, and it's, it's, if you, if you, it's a neat way. If you have kids in the home, it's a neat way to kind of help them see that they, they have a really blessed life. 
and for them to really correspond with someone else and give them a different world perspective. And I don't know about you, but my kids, they need that. Because for some reason in my kid's life, it's a bad day if we don't, like, go to Revolution Nutrition or something like that, you know, and go get a drink. You know, we need to realize <laughs> we're blessed to be where we are. And so those are just opportunities for you. I don't want to dwell on that, but I just want to, I just wanted to give you an update. I just wanted to give you that, that update just kind of as a church, that on a Sunday when we're talking about what does it mean to explore joy, we can find joy in generosity. Financially, the church is, the church is very stable. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not pitching this to you from a standpoint of, oh, it's getting bad, I gotta need your help. It's not that. But I will say this year, this year, the, the budget year that began back in the summer, we made, your board made some decisions that are growth decisions. Decisions that we may have not had the money for to budget, but we were able to cut here and, and, and do this in hopes that we're going to grow into what those things are, are, are this, to grow where we need to be. So one of those things was that the, the debt service. We lowered the monthly payment of the debt service to the bare minimum so that we could bring on pastoral staff to help us with our ministry that we could bring on people into our teaching team, that we could bring on a youth pastor and a worship pastor that could come alongside us and to help us. And I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. I'm not trying to like, you know, but I'm just, just, I'm just giving you a heads up of where we're at. And so if you're a family that has a teenager in your home, I need, we need your help. We need your help because the church is making decisions to minister to that demographic. And so, as your pastor, I'm saying, help us out because as we lowered the payment, the goal was that the envelope board would then make up, would make up the difference of us lowering that debt service payment. So we need help. This is where we are. Joy, you, we can find joy in being generous. You can find joy in being generous. And I know we got very logistical there for a little bit, and I'm, I apologize. That's kind of why I'm, I've been putting that off for a while because it's not very encouraging. It's not very inspirational to hear logistics. But you as a church body, you just needed to, to, to know where we, where we were, where we're going. So as we wrap it up, I remind you of this. Aren't you glad that joy, joy isn't merely a feeling brought about by circumstances. Aren't you thankful for that? It's, it's a deep and abiding state brought on by our connection. It's, 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 it's a deep and abiding peace that comes from the surrendered journey with Jesus. In fact, I, I said it this way. True joy isn't a result of our circumstances, but in, a, but in our deep, abiding, and surrendered journey with Jesus. If you want to find true joy, Find that surrendered life. Find that life that bears the fruit of repentance, church. It's not passive, but it's fostered through the ways that, that, that our lives are continually transformed to look more like Jesus. When we lay aside our discontent, when we share with others, when we find ways to seek justice and compassion in the world, then we find profound moments of joy that we can't help but share with the world around us.
And so we declare, we declare joy, church. We declared it earlier. We, we declared joy to the world earlier as we opened up with one of the songs. Joy to the world. We're gonna, we, want, we want heaven and nature to sing. And church, the only way that heaven and nature is going to sing is if the church is doing the job of the church, if the church is going out, and if we're witnessing, if we're evangelizing, if we're telling others about Jesus, the joy of Christ. The only way that heaven and nature are going to sing is that we're going out and being the hands and feet of Christ. So this morning as we wrap it up and close out, it's my prayer that the Lord will continue to bless us. Not with some monetary gift, but the Lord will continue to bless us by his presence, continuing to move in this midst. And I'm convinced, church, that as we pursue true joy, as we pursue joy that is found in proclaiming the gospel, as we, as we pursue the joy that's found in, in bearing the fruit of repentance, God's going to be with us. His presence is going to permeate all throughout our building, all throughout our church body, and all throughout our community. Let's stand and let's continue to worship the Lord together.